0: I guess the expression, be careful what you wish for, uh, may apply with my application of the book that I am to cover tonight. The book of James, as announced. Not to cover of the whole book as we were directed, with a more challenging, <laughs> as, I, as I looked at this, a uh, one-sentence task to capture the summary series theme that you've started last year or continuing and will go through until you get all 66 of them in. The main point of book of James, in my case, has been selected. Well, at the first thought, I might thought, well, maybe this could be easy. I thought, you know, because a lot of times when you think of a book, you kind of go towards uh, gravitating towards maybe a section of the book that is maybe more favorable to you that you like. Uh, maybe it's a one-liner, and, and I wanted to start off with those two. I'll, I'll say it's James's greatest hits, you know, in the old musical era of having greatest hits. I tested this on on my mother, who's a a studier of the Bible, and and my my mom and and my father both uh, like to have their daily devotionals. And so I said, can you quote me some things from James? Because, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, Paul mentions this to the Corinthians, or Paul over here in Romans, or Peter says this, you know, and we kind of attach the quotes to the person. How often do you do that with James? And as I'm going to read these, and this is not an exhaustive list, mind you, I'm going to read these you're going to say yeah and I, said, I maybe i didn't remember that was james i knew it was in there and i and i'm kind of like this with my bible study as some of you are probably very good at chapter book verse you kind of know where it's at and you can recite it and, and i was really never blessed with that but what i what i am blessed with is memory recall that if at least i know it's in there google is to my rescue and I say that for all of my lessons because if I know it's in there, so I had to have read it first. So I know it's in there. If there's a line, Google and, and immediately, oh, there it is. There is what, exactly what I was looking for. So ever hear these one-liners line, one from James? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. that's, That's more of a famous one. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Here's probably an oldie but a goody. Faith without works is dead. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That was a verse given to me at a very young age. Then following, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Instead, you ought to say, this is probably the famous around here, especially in Oklahoma, if the Lord wills, saying, if the creek don't rise and the Lord wills, you know, we always always quoting that, that line. But above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any or other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. And finally, my brethren, if among you strays from the truth and turns one back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, that's the greatest hits. I could use more, but I wanted to know how many of you, and it doesn't have to be a raise of hands, how many of you actually knew that that came from James, or at least a a majority of them, some of them, any of them. You may be like me. I knew it was in there, but would I really quote that to James? I know I've used many of these. I know you have as well. You may not know known that you were quoting James. Uh, so know that if you feel that I'm in a bit of a trouble when I have to cover this as a one lesson, because just out of those, how many lessons could we use and attain? One theme, but that's what's been requested for me tonight. Even when you go back and look at what Bible Talk has done with Mike's lessons on James, I don't know how many lessons you remember, 10, 10 lessons, and they're over 30 minutes apiece. Now, I don't have that time and I don't have that opportunity. So when you look at that, that can be a little bit more intimidating. But an overall theme book of a Bible, it's almost a trap, but it's a good one to get us to think. So as I started to read and prepare a couple of months ago, and I was very honored that Mike asked me to be a part of this, he asked uh, after the conclusion of our our spring get-together, have you ever come and presented a lesson there? I said, no, I've I've really never been to the Choctaw congregation. I I love your setup. You have a wonderful, warm feeling, like what Mike said. if kind of what I feel like wherever I go, as you can feel at home. So what was it going to be? How was I going to start? I I first thought maybe it's like chapter one. Maybe it's just the accepting the testing of our faith. And that trials will come. Not if, but to expect them. And to prepare with that kind of expectation. You don't hear that much today with the health and wealth gospel out in the world. So many preach today which says, Love and follow God and everything will just work out for you accordingly. So when trials do come, and they will come, what is that person going to think? What are they going to believe? Are they going to be at fear that God has somehow left them because they didn't have faith enough? That it only truly works out for those who really, really love God more than themselves, they may think. Only good will follow those who are really that dedicated. They might think that. They don't have that kind of faith, so they they may let it go, possibly leave the church altogether. I've heard and seen that when trials come. And James says, count it as joy. We'll get to that in a minute. Because ultimately we know why. Because if we all overcome through perseverance, if we get to the end, then we can retro, we can come back and look at it and say, yes, it was so worth it. Now, I don't have the time tonight, but Peter gave a great building blocks of what it looks like when we add to our faith. 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 5, that is not, that's an extra, do this on your own. He will mention perseverance as well. But that is down the line after we add to our faith. And if you get nothing else out of tonight is there are so many people that believe that all you have to do is have a faith. Just have faith. Faith is the most incredible starting building block but that's the first one, because then Peter says, add to your faith. Where, where do you hear that? Most people say, well, no, all I have to do is have faith faith in God, faith in Christ Jesus, and it will all work in the end. But it's something we add to. Now, if you think about this health and wealth gospel, if you think about the disciples, what happened to any of them after they dedicated their lives to the cause? What about John the Baptist? To know what will life truly throw at us as far as trials are concerned. Maybe the book of James is more or less managing our expectations as a Christian. Could be that I immediately thought that, well, maybe it's faith and works. So, so maybe it's not really the trials. Maybe, maybe I'll gravitate. Maybe, maybe it's really the big theme of James is faith and works. Because that's a big one. And especially to him. That is mostly credited to. To James, when you do have that famous quote, you usually go back to that as James, and one that caused even a little contention during Martin Luther's day, during what he sought after to reform the Catholic Church. He wanted faith only stressed to the point of abandoning any teaching from the book of James on faith and works as a combination We always go pendulum uh, way of thinking, as I say. And I, I say pendulum because it's extremes. You know, you have one group over here that really is works. And then you have a gentleman that says, well, no, it's faith. When it's really the combination of the two in the middle. It's not one extreme to the other. And yet they both wanted to go to the extremes. Was it faith and works? Then I immediately was reminded that the book of James is all about what we do and how we especially do when we control something as complex as the tongue. Since James puts it that no one can tame the tongue. And if one does, they have complete control over the whole body as well. Well, I still haven't compli- compiled anything yet, have I? As, I? as I still overall came through this concept, uh, I must be failing at this attempt to, as I was going through this in my process. Since I already have given you a bunch of quotes and have given you a couple of themes to consider. And these are just... A couple of ideas that doesn't really cover the main point of what James, I think, is trying to get across. As I read more, and I, the more I thought, the more I came up with, I felt that the main point of James, or what he is trying to get across, and here's what I came up with, and you can see what you think, is a guide to basic Christian living. It's a manual. It's a manual for our life. A true managing of expectations in the beginning of the now what after being a Christian. And then show how we are to act. It's a Christian living and what that will look like, not only by word, but by example. I'm sure most of us are aware that if we were as a Christian only to go by the gospel accounts, the four major gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, there is not much said about Christian living. There's not much covered in that area. You look at the quotes that we gave that is not found in the others. Sure, we witness the facts about who Christ is in those gospels. We see the ministry firsthand. We see the death burial of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It points to his deity. Illustrates why he came. And so these were written as John says, so that we may believe. Because without it there would be no witnesses. There would be no credibility. The the Gentiles would would not respond like the Jews were responding that a dead man professed that he would die and then rise up again on his own power. Now, if that gentleman, if that man had anything to say about anything, I think it's worth listening to because dead is dead and you don't come back from dead. You and I have gone to too many funerals and we've never seen anybody come back from that state. So if you were living in that time, you you can imagine the two sects of people that were joined together that hated each other for decades and millenniums. The time spent hating Jews and Gentiles and then put them together in a setting like this. Now, I don't know. It doesn't say biblically that one sat on this side of the congregation, one sat on the other. But I I bet you it started out that way. Because Peter even had a little problem with that crossing over as well. But it's a now what? What do we do? Uh, Whether he sit around and wait for his return, some started to do that, and were corrected and told, "No, that's you're going to live a Christian life. You're not. Well, you know, if he's going to return and he's just left, well, it could be a couple of days. It could be a couple of months. I'll just wait for his return." No, that's not how we are to act. And then we are to conduct ourselves as, like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul's letter to Timothy also gives great instruction how we are to do that, since we don't have Paul around today. Of course, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's left us what we say is these letters, letters to the churches and the saints. Uh, This was one for the 12 churches spread abroad, as James says in the beginning. Sure, the gospel accounts proves the authenticity of who Jesus is, but it's the letters. And we take this one example, what really gives us the platform of Christian living. There are so many one-liners that I quoted from the book of James that I gave you at first, and some of us may not have been aware of the passage and the reference. I love James and have so quoted his words, and after studying James and his big influence in the first century church, add to the fact that we are to understand that this James, the writer of this letter, was the brother of our Lord now, isn't that incredible? I mean, isn't that someone that you kind of want to gravitate to kind of see? I, I wish he could have written more about kind of the, uh, the goings on him in his life before getting to this point. The one who was raised as he was and stunning revelation that apparently didn't become a believer is Jesus being the son of God until when? Until after his resurrection. Now, he doesn't go into explaining all that, but I can imagine that, you know, these are not prideful moments, especially Peter. We see Peter from beginning to end in all of the resume, good, bad, and indifferent. It's not kept out where you can say, well, can you clean that up? Can you make sure that people don't read this? I really don't want this known about me. I'm sure James would have that at the top of his list. It's hard to understand in some ways. Humbling for, for him, I'm sure, was an apostle. He only claims himself uh, not pridefully in the family tree, but just as a bond servant of Jesus Christ, which you and I are supposed to be in the same way. You're either going to be a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. It's by choice. There's no middle ground, and that's exactly where James found himself too. Now, how we view it today, and we would say that we would never question, it's kind of like making fun of the Israelites and say, well, you know, if I saw the parting of the Red Sea, I would never do that. I would, I would be faithful, would you? You really don't know. I mean, we, we put, we're not put in that situation. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and then they still doubted. He lived it just like every one of his disciples trying to figure out who he was during the moment, during the ministry, at one point he he was part of the family member coming to Jesus when they were away, when they thought that the crowd says he was mad. And and we're going to just come and take him away and just give him a little bit of rest. Get away from it all, from a moment. Jesus asked those close to him, Who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? Maybe James was like that so many in his hometown that said, Isn't this the carpenter's son? You know, they had the same mother. How could this be? And to borrow one of Mike's lines that he used in a lesson, and I appreciate, and I'm going to borrow tonight, even though we know about God, we don't believe what we know about God. And a lot of times it fits with all of these. And, and, and these are, for our example, for a reason, because if they failed at some of these, we can too. So if you're having some of those doubts, that's really not a problem. We can sort through that, and God can work through that. A lot of times that's you that's me well so did James at one time before we just kind of jump on that a little bit you're in good company just think if you were James what would it take for you to believe before the resurrection you know because that is the key for all of us that's the key for all of us to find hope but I'm saying before that my point is what this man didn't see until after the resurrection something that after that made him so convinced So convicted that one that saw him die martyred for his own death. He would be one that at one time was a skeptic turned believer. Wouldn't you then want to listen to a guy like that so I can relate to what he's saying now as a true believer? So now can we kind of sit up and take notice to what James is going to say? You know, there's only five chapters in this book. And there's so much that I can't even cover in the allotted time and would get away from the main point of James is Christian living. But I do suggest on your own to go back and read it. And not as a verse or two. And I borrowed this before. The Bible is not made up of verses. We do that so we can get to it efficiently and quickly. It was made, cont- you'll hear contextually, context, you know, what, what does context say? It's a, it's a body of work. It would be like if I took your grandmother or great-grandmother's letter out of the attic and say, I'm going to read this, but I'm going to read two sentences, and then we're going to fold it up and put it away. <laughs> well, what was the gist of it? What was the whole letter? You, you want to eat the whole thing at one time, so I suggest you do the same thing and not quoting a line or two. This was written as a complete work, like you'd read the entire letter from a friend, family friend. A lot is addressed in this. So for tonight, I want to like look at our highlights of the theme of Christian living. After his greeting for those who are dispersed abroad, as he said, spread out because the kingdom was multiplying, no longer in one place, such as the temple. And if you notice that God always works in mathematics. That's why we say we always look as preachers, we add to our numbers. God is in the multiplication because it says, then the church is multiplied. It wasn't just adding, you know, we, we get the 3,000 and the Lord added to the church daily. You just keep reading in your Bible, and then you're going to start seeing the word multiply. Because God works in, in that way, that if I open up to one family member, that family member, it's just kind of like the social media. You, know, you connect to so many different people that I can't connect to. And that's why your ministry is just as important as mine and Mike's and everyone else's. Because you can reach people that Mike, myself, or maybe anybody else in this room could not reach. You have that capability. So he reminds us, and even today, that the trials of various kinds will come to us. And he wants us to look forward very much like when Paul says to keep your eye on the prize. But can some of us be like John the Baptist? Sure. Remember, while he was in jail, he struggled with his faith. Now, can you imagine? I mean, Jesus says there was no one on earth that was born of woman greater, greater than John the Baptist. The the ultimate, best compliment that Jesus Christ could give anyone. But he was in prison. And he he dared to ask the question, are you the one? Or, 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 Or do we miss it? Are we waiting for someone else? Why? Because... Deep down, I'm sure that you and I and John the Baptist would feel the same way. Don't I get a get-out-of-jail-free card? (laughs) Aren't we related? Don't we go to the same family reunions? (laughs) Don't you remember all this prophecy thing? I mean, isn't that special enough? And you know what the words came back to? It says, you know, tell his disciples that the blind see, the lame walk. I mean, what is John the Baptist going to deal with that as far as, yes, okay, I see the broader picture, but what about me? I mean, you don't even—you don't even visit me in prison, and he's going to be shortly beheaded. So we can struggle with these things as well. And Jesus didn't. And then Jesus says something very remarkable in there. He says, "You know, blessed are those who don't." And I'm paraphrasing. Fall on my account, basically that I didn't come to your rescue, and that, and that's going to happen. I mean, and John the Baptist was a key. I and mean, if you could say there was no one greater born a woman unto man than John the Baptist. Uh, you know, he's probably a little bit better on the hierarchy when we, when we kind of label those things. We put John the Baptist as one of those special people in our lives. James says to count it as joy when going through this. Not that the trial is the joy, but the perseverance. It's doing and doing again and again, day after day dedication that becomes perseverance to get us at the end result which is eternity with god what we understand is the whole purpose getting through it and understanding the rest can come together better to help with the wise why me why now because i know just like your mother told you you're really special and and i believe that and you, you know i believe i'm special you believe you're special but does that mean that we believe that we get special treatment? Well, we know that God is not, you know, he's, he's not like that. He doesn't pick favorites. Shows no partiality. Because by doing this, it not only manages my expectations. I don't expect God to get me out of this or take it away. Like Paul and his thorn in the flesh that kept him humble. Just for doing that. Why? Because it creates Endurance. Paul talked about it many times. Peter relayed that. This life is not a sprint. It's not a 40-yard dash. It's a marathon. And for me, 26 miles would be an eternity. And I've never run one or even a half one or even considered one. But through this endurance, I like how James puts this, if we let endurance do what it's designed to do, it makes us complete, lacking in nothing. You've got to trust in the process. It's kind of like medical stuff. If you rehab and they say you get, I know there's some pain, but you got to keep at it and keep at it. Why? Because the end results are going to produce for you. It's still an if. If we let endurance be a part of it. Sometimes we're impatient. Our problem today is what I want gone yesterday. We don't like to wait on anything, and we're programmed that way in this ideal from the world. It's fast and paced and, and waiting. You know, if you went back to old computer stuff and dial-up stuff, you, 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 we'd lose our minds, you know, because everything is conditions for fast. And the lines get faster, and, and Chick-fil-A's not as intimidating anymore, because when it's wrapped around there, they've got a system that gets you weeded faster to get you through. And why, again, Paul says, don't be what? conform to this world you know what's natural just don't do anything and you're going to just naturally conform to the impatience of the world that it's already creating but it says don't don't be like that don't be don't conform because if you don't do anything that's what's going to happen but transformed by the renewing of your mind so easy to do and left on our own verses 14 and 15 and james says but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust So you know what? Everybody's different in here. You have yours. I have mine. They may not be the same. but Let's not be intolerant for those that are weaker in something that we have mastered and and then we're weaker over here what they have mastered. See, a lot of times we can kind of pick and choose those kind of things. Then when the lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. One of the reasons I said it was an instructional manual as part of verse 21, in humility... Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. If you hear nothing else, that's probably one of the most important verses of this text. It's a humbling thing to submit. And here we submit to God's word, and we can accomplish what the Lord will have us to do when we receive the word implanted. What does that mean? That means it's inside. Not not something I heard, but I do. I act upon it's an implant. Just like one receives a new organ, it's a transplant. And they implant it. Okay, they put it inside you. It's an implant. It's that best know how God's work is in you and in me. Once it's implanted, it is able to what? Save your soul. How important is that? Verses 22 through 25 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You can hear everything that I say, go out and be unchanged, and you've just deluded yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. And you know what I like about ladies, and they used to do this a lot more, is ladies used to have compact mirrors when they couldn't get to the restroom for a mirror. Why? So you could just slightly adjust. My hair is out of place. I want to make sure that that is a constant adjustment. That's a compliment to you because you want to look your best. The same thing is here. And for us guys, the wash and go, we look in the mirror, done in the morning, we may never look back until the next day. But it's the evaluations, the constant evaluations. And it says, if you do that, guys, you're just like that. As soon as you see that little image, well, my hair's good, and you go right out, and you never think anything of it. But a lot of times we want to give ourselves a pass. Well, my hair's out of place, you'll just have to forgive me. And can we have a little prayer group around my, my hair being out of place? You know, just as opposed to really adjusting like we should. Because he says, for once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. See, it's not gradually, it's immediate. But, there's a transition, but one who looks intently, that's really examining, that's getting out the mirror a time or two in a day, at the perfect, what, at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. So you're not just reading it, you abide by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, I walked out the door and then it's gone, but an effectual doer. This man, this man who does this will be blessed in what he does. The faith by doing is a big emphasis with James. And in chapter 2 and verse 14, what, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith, there it is, I'll have to have faith, but he has no works. Can that faith save him? I ask anybody else that just believes in a faith only and that's all I've got to do. Can that, James says it, can that faith save that person? That's a very big question. Do you know how many times it's been expressed to me that it doesn't matter what a person does or does not do or God knows their heart and they have faith. But if I never see you act upon it, you yourself show that you don't believe it. The illustration is sometimes used that if I were to have a1,000 dollars, and no I don't, so don't come running if I have a1,000 dollars right here right now, all you have to do is get up here and get it. When will anyone including yourself show that you really believe that? If I had it tucked away here in my notes? Well, when you got up and came to the front. So if all you did was sit there, and after the money had been given to someone else, what are you left to say? Well, I knew all along you had it. Really? Is that the the best we're going to offer? That you knew, but you didn't act upon it? You didn't believe enough to act upon it. If you believed it then, then why didn't you go and show it? Peter declares the same with what do you believe statement that I love that I've used so often over in 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will all be burned up. That's a scary line. I don't even want to think about it. But then he says this, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, not, not I think it's going to be destroyed in this way, if you already know it, there was a flood in this earth, you weren't here to see it, I wasn't here to see it, but there was witnesses to prove that there was a global flood, and you and I believe that. And if you believe that, and you believe what just Peter says, how this is all going to be destroyed, then he says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, Not what kind of people should you believe to have believed when I come. But holy conduct. We don't talk about that much today. Do you believe all that is going to happen? Then if so, Peter says, how will you prepare? Being a fool or being wise? Now remember being a fool. The, the Bible talks about being a fool is not a court gesture. Someone that's ha ha, you know, it's telling funny jokes. A fool has been informed and then does nothing. That's, that's the definition of a fool. You already have all the information. You're not ignorant. Some time ago, there was a, a man that I remember it was several years ago during the hot summer series of Oklahoma, and we didn't have a lot of rain. And there was some wildfires. And up by Chickasha, it was either Chickasha or Ninakaw, there was a gentleman that was living in a mobile home, and these fires were coming, and they said, Listen, you need to get out. These fires are consuming. We can't take it. It's going to take your home, and you're going to die. Okay, he was informed. Now, you may know the rest of the story. He died. He perished. That was probably one of the saddest funerals that anybody could go to. Why? Because the man was informed. Get out. And then did nothing. Now would I go to call him a fool? Well, the Bible calls it foolishness. When you know what to do and you don't do it. And that's exactly what has happened with mankind today. Instead of God knows the heart and we have faith. But if you never act upon it to happen, then how will you prepare? Abraham, as example, was told the same thing that showed his faith as he was about to take his son as a sacrifice. And just before that it was going to happen, God said in Genesis 22 and 12, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know. <laughs> I thought God was all-knowing. He is. Well, didn't he know that Abraham was going to do that, and right to the point that he was going to take him? Didn't he know that? Yeah. Th- then why did, why did he let him do that? It wasn't just to show God. was also to show Abraham of what he truly believed because he believed in the promise not at first and see the thing is a lot of times we have trouble with uh, you know there's passages because we like to keep records of wrong and Corinthians says do not do that because love does not keep a record of wrongs you know it says Abraham wavered not on the promises of God you know so that wavered not hold on a second wasn't there this handmade thing and then another child because they didn't believe in the, don't you call that a waiver? See, God looks at grace and he looks at the extension of the overall plan of man and he grades on that. He doesn't crave his individual check marks. Well, hold on a second. We got to put a little blemish there. No, we're not going to put a blemish on Abraham's spot right there. But that was to show him and the Lord because he says, now I know that you fear God. How did he know that? By him showing that he believed enough to carry it out. So the question remains with us, do you or I? One could say, well, God knew he wouldn't. Why did he make him go through it? To not only display God that he wouldn't, he showed himself just like he shows ourselves that we truly believe what he says by acting on it. I'm going to put your trust in it, even if, even when. Can we get to the point of John the Baptist? Can we be in prison and say, has the Lord left me here? You know, there are several people that I think got blessings from different things. And I think Paul is one. You say he wrote some of his best work where? In prison. Do you think, and I don't know his personality, and we weren't there. But Paul was such zeal. And and Mike kind of knows this with his schedule. You get on the go and you get so busy, you can't do a lot of stuff that you'd like to do. When would Paul have time to sit down and write? If he was going, going, and he's here, and he's off to this missionary, and then he's shipwrecked, and he's getting past that. God knew. And I think you're going to do your best work right here and showed. And we have nothing but history to show from all of those great works that were Inspired from a jail cell, and you can sing. Can you sing praises in a jail cell? Can you sing jails? Can you sing songs of praise to God when you know that you're not supposed to be there? When you're probably the only one in prison say that I'm innocent and I'm not supposed to be here. I know the running joke is you could talk to any prisoner and say, Oh, I'm innocent. It didn't work out for me. Bad lawyer. Just saying that I knew all along. Jesus says, prove to him not me, that you are my disciple. Now, how am I going to do that, Lord? Just by saying it? Believing in you? Then do it. James, in the book of James, is all about the action. And we've got so far away from that because right now it's intention. Well, I intended to. I wanted to. I felt up to it, but there were some other things. It's it's not going to be like that. You know, these individuals persevered, and if you think they persevered to martyrdom for just a lie, (laughs) I'm just going to die for a lie. James would not be one of them because, remember, he was not on board. When I say on board, he wasn't there in the three years of ministry side by side. My wife and I were talking about as, as a very young person. When you read Peter, Peter, James, and John, you just put James in that lump, and then you say, "Well, no, no, that's not the same James. Oh, it's not. This is a different walk." And, and I wish that we, he had more writings that we could really tell. But he was very influential because then when you see the, the council and the elders that meet, and the apostles that come together for some big issues, he was there. He was used. God uses all of these individuals, and you know, Paul was out of season. Paul said that, you know, I, I'm the worst of them all because I, for one, persecuted the Christians. But James is all about a book of action. I think more than anyone else, he had to prove it to himself. Like I said, he was an apostle, but he was the earthly brother to Jesus. And it had to take a resurrection for him to be truly convinced. And after that, he just didn't talk about it. He showed it. Until his death. Totally convinced. James says in conclusion, as a follower, you're going to have trials. So don't worry. We'll all face them. But through that, Faith produces endurance. Now, a lot of us don't like the word endurance because we know what's happening. It's kind of like don't pray for patience because we know what's going to happen. Don't pray for endurance. Why? Because trials are going to come. And in order for me to endure, I've got to go through this trial, and then there's going to be another trial, and I've got to endure that one, and there's going to be another trial. They weren't promised anything else. And a lot of times we kind of like to see the whole picture. I remember, uh, you know, say at the day at the beach with uh, Peter and, and Jesus. And, and, you know, we ask human things, and it's, it's only natural for what, what we want to ask. And so the Lord is, you know, after Peter, you know, the boat was, he says, hey, you catch anything? No, draw your, you know, as soon as he said, drop your nets for a catch, Peter was out the boat and says, oh, I already know who this is came there and Jesus had fish and and was was eating with them and and you know he really put Peter to the test and he says you know do you love me more than these because you know that was that was what what he was you know professing before and of course he he couldn't come to that but then later on in that conversation he kind of got into that endurance of you know kind of well you know what's kind of what's going to happen Jesus says, you know, it's really not a pretty sight of what's going to happen to you. And you know what? He's taking all that in. And for some reason, I don't know why, maybe John was in earshot away or or off to his peripheral vision. He goes, what about him? And you know what Jesus said to him? It sounds very cold natured. What's it to you? What's it to me? Because fast forward now, you know how John dies? Oh yeah, he's at the island of Patmos. He dies an old man, he dies of old age, kind of like what we all can I just die in my sleep, you know, that kind of thing. All the rest are martyred that we know of. What's it to you? See, you perseverance with all you've got for what I've had you to do. You don't have to worry about John or Mark or anybody else around you. I'm worried about you and what you do and what you show. Because we're all about the doing. And, you know, even at failure, and I want to take you back, and I know I'm off of James, but on that Peter Beach scene, I want to take you back to it, which is probably one of my favorite things, because God can use any one of us if we just give him something. We can't give him zero. Zero plus zero, I don't care, any day of the year in math is always going to be that way. Two thousand years from now, zero plus zero equals zero. But here's what he said in that, do you, do you love me? A lot of times we say, he, says, he said it three times because he denied three times. I want you to go back and look at that again because the Greek words are different. And what he said is, do you agape me? This is Jesus to Peter. That means, do you love me with everything you've got because you said you love me more than these? Remember back in that time, and he didn't paraphrase this, but you know, if you're going to go here or be imprisoned, if you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to die for you. I'm for the cause. I'm all in. Do you love me like that? And Peter says, No, I phileo you, which is Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. I love you as a friend. And so Jesus asked a second time, same word, Do you agape me? Do you love me with everything you've got? Peter says, I've already done that once, twice, three times, failure, and I'm here to say, Nope, I can't say I can love you like that because I only love you as a friend and by the way that's supposed to be a reminder for all of us because can any one of us raise our hand say that we love God with all of our heart with all of our mind with all of our soul with all of our strength no that is supposed to be a, a, a detriment to say no I can't and I can't do it with your help and that's what the rich young ruler didn't get because he says yeah I've, I've followed the commandments since since my youth but the third time that he asked Peter he changed the verbiage he says do you phileo me? Do you love me as a friend? Yep. Then feed my sheep. You know what he could do? He could consult failure. He could put his arm around someone and says, you know what? I know what it's like to fail miserably. I know what it's like to disappoint the Lord. I know where you're standing in your shoes. The best best counselor there was, and he's the one that, preached on the day of pentecost the first one to emerge and some three thousand were added that day it's living it and to the end result we focus on we live out the christian life the way as we should as instructed and live it out not just talking about it as his letter started out james a bond servant when you go back and look up servant We've watered it down because we want to make it sound nice. We in this country don't like the word slavery, and we understand what that means. But that's really what that word translates into, slave. Well, no, let's not put that. We'll, we'll do the slave to sin. We understand that. But a slave to Christ, and it even is phrased in some passages as a slave to Christ, we are literally giving ourselves by choice in either one a slave, a bondservant for the rest of my life. Why? Because I love him so much. He's done so much for me, a slave to Christ the rest of our lives, which Paul says is reasonable. What's reasonable? That you offer yourself as a living sacrifice each and every day. That's what your reasonable service to God is. Why? Because the trade-offs. Do you understand what sin did? Do you see where it puts you out of and if someone saved your life, what would you say? If you were to walk outside in this little four-corner four, uh, street here with a stop sign and someone didn't, didn't obey the stop sign and someone saw a car coming and grabbed you and saved you from near death, would you look at that person and reach out in your wallet and say, Will a 20 do? No. I think whatever I could do for you for the rest of my life, and and not that you'd be their slave, but you understand the commitment because you knew what was at stake. It was your life. This is your life. Jesus has stepped in and saved. It's our accepted worship when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Just as much it was his choice that we all have to choose and I know I bounced around starting with James and the commitment and kind of tying it all together, but Joshua said it best because at his dying bedside, after he had seen all of what he had seen, he said, every one of you are going to have to make this choice. Choose this day whom you will serve, and it can go back to the forefathers, the gods that you knew and the gods you worshiped and all of that stuff because we've seen it and been through it. You can do that, but as far as me and my household, we have chosen, chosen, my choice, to serve the Lord. James asks us the same thing. And just don't be a hearer only. Don't take this tart and say, boy, you know what, I feel real convicted preacher, and that was really good, and then walk out just like you walked in, just like the man who looked himself in a mirror and immediately forgot the man or woman they were. I hope that kind of gives you, I know that was our five-minute bill. I'm kind of within the last couple of minutes. Is there any questions at all about James or any kind of insight on your own? It's a good study. I appreciate the text. I appreciate the challenge. Kind of worked and massaged that for like the last couple of months. Because James is kind of forgotten in the back of uh, your Patriarch well, of, you oh, know, that's Paul, and this is Luke, and this is all these. James, oh yeah, he's kind of like a side note, a footnote. I'm sure that's kind of what it was. Oh, that's you know Jesus' brother. So hopefully, I've done well enough to say that the main point of what James is trying to get across is just live it. Your Christian life. Here's the expectations. Here's the list. Just go do it.